I can't even begin to describe the truth and help Heather offers for anyone struggling with eating and body image issues. It is clear that God is speaking so much truth and love through her. She has helped to open my eyes and heart to so many destructive, painful things I was doing to myself, thinking I was acting according to God's will in my life. She is a blessing, and walking this journey with her, I know there is so much hope for healing and release from the torment of the body image and dieting prisons. Even if you don't know Jesus or have a relationship with him, his love and help is still here for us all. And Heather reminds us how much this struggle is about letting go and surrendering and believing that we can be free from the pain our own minds and thoughts have brought on us. Oh, thank you. I had a hard time getting through that review without crying. So thank you. Thank you. Whoever you are, CBR, for that podcast review. You guys, podcast reviews bless me so much. So thank you for that. And I am so encouraged to hear that this show is blessing you. That's what motivates me to keep recording for you. So today, I'm doing a bonus episode for you because... Let's be honest, the last episode was for a very specific group of people, those who are pregnant or just had babies. And so I know that missed a whole bunch of you. So I wanted to make sure that you weren't cheated this week. So here is a bonus episode. We're going to talk about food and eating disorders. This is National Eating Disorder Awareness Week. And I just want you all to know what I didn't know. So I hope you will settle in for today's show. Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compare to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey, hey friends, it is a National Eating Disorder Awareness Week and I just thought I would take a few minutes today to run through some of the data about what eating disorders actually look like. Now, I'm not telling you this to be clinical, okay? First of all, let's just get back straight. I'm not a doctor. I am not a psychologist. I am not a registered dietitian. I am not a therapist, okay? But I know a lot, a lot, a lot of women who have been on all the diets for all the years and have no idea that they actually may have an eating disorder or may have disordered eating. Now, there is a difference, and I did a show last fall with Brittany Braslow. We talk about what some of that difference is there. But let me just kind of start off by saying I'm not telling you this information. I'm not sharing this information so you can self-diagnose necessarily, right? But... I do think if you listen to the show and you self-diagnose, then you know that your next step should be to get some help, 
Okay. It's not so you can have a label to wear. It's so that you can know that, okay, maybe you have enough of these things. Maybe enough of this is ringing true to your life that you need to go get some help. And I have a bunch of friends in the non-diet dietitian world that are solid Christian women who can help you. I can lead you to some lists of Christian counselors and therapists who can help you. It is worth getting help if you are stuck in an eating disorder and maybe don't even know it, okay? So that is my goal for today. Now, let me also add, and I think this is in my book compared to if you read that, but I would have said and have been using the term EDNOS, which stood for eating disorder not otherwise specified, to classify the kind of eating disorder that I believe I had. But in my research today, I just recognized that that's no longer a thing, okay? There's no longer a category for EDNOS. In fact, in August of 2021, it looks like they made some changes and the newest manual of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, okay, that newest manual for that no longer has a category for EDNOS. As I've understood it recently, they changed the term because one of the, I guess, categories for EDNOS related to anorexia was something called, I'm going to have a hard time saying it, amenorrhea. I think I'm saying that right. Amenorrhea. Maybe that's it. Um, But that's when you lose your period. And that was some sort of required aspect of the disorder. And so they removed that and changed the name so that boys and men who have some of these traits could be able to be diagnosed properly and receive treatment. Um, Now, if you know my story that amenorrhea If I'm saying that correctly, I should probably look that up somewhere. But that word, the loss of your menstrual cycle, that's something that I experienced my sophomore year of college. I lost my period for about nine months. Um, But I would have told you, friends, that I didn't have an eating disorder because I wasn't super skinny um, and I couldn't throw up. Although I tried, I just couldn't make myself throw up. And so I didn't think I had an eating disorder. I mean, from what I knew, there were two kinds of eating disorders. This was back in the 1990s, the Stone Age. Um, But you were either anorexic or you're bulimic, and I didn't fit either category. And so that's why I I was put into the category of EDNOS at one point, but now EDNOS doesn't even exist anymore. And that's why I wanted to do the show today. Because I feel like this world of eating disorders is changing, has changed. If you're my age or older, which I know some of my audience definitely is, you may not have any idea how many different symptoms of eating disorders are out there that you may be able to relate to. You may have never even considered the, the thought that you could have any kind of eating disorder because like me, perhaps every single person you know is on a diet or has always been on a diet and restricted eating and good foods and bad foods and all these different rules around foods, like that's just a normal way your people speak and relate. 
So how could that be any kind of mental illness? And if that's where you're coming from today, friend, like I get it. That's what I would have thought too. And the more research I do, quite frankly, the more my mind is blown as to how many symptoms of full-blown eating disorder I actually did have. But beyond that, I'm saddened. I am saddened by the reality that our culture promotes eating disorders and disordered eating. And if you don't believe that to be true, hopefully after listening to what some of the signs and symptoms are of eating disorder as a mental illness, hopefully after listening to that, perhaps you will start to see things differently. You see, we use words like health, and I just want to be healthier, and I just need to be healthier, and I need to have a healthier body. But that can so subtly and so quickly turn into food restriction, orthorexia, something we'll talk about today, where you're only eating clean foods, and all kinds of other issues with food that lead women and men, girls and boys, down a very dangerous and destructive path of disordered eating. And y'all, I think we don't take it seriously enough. I think we are too quick to praise the person posting before and after pictures on Instagram because yes, don't they look so much healthier after they lost 30 pounds? Woohoo! Wow, they used to have digestive issues before and now they're free of chronic stomach issues or whatever. And I'm not saying it's not true. But friends, when you go from one set of physical issues to an eating disorder, you develop a whole bunch of other physical issues. And I, friend, I mean, look, there's lists that I could read to you from, but it is crazy the number of physical issues you have once you are in a full-blown eating disorder from esophagus issues like I have to thyroid issues to stomach and digestive issues to teeth issues. The list goes on and on and on. Friends, of all mental illnesses, eating disorders are right behind opioid addictions. Number two, in terms of being responsible for the most deaths, and 20% of those with eating disorders that do not get treatment will die from their eating disorder. This is serious stuff. You know, when you have anorexia, your body is so starved for food that it starts eating your muscles and that can include your heart muscle and women who've had anorexia can suffer some serious heart issues in their 20s and younger even our culture calls dieting healthy eating but friends so much of it is leading to disordered eating and that's a problem Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. Before I hop into the list of signs and symptoms of eating disorders, there's one other big reason I wanted to tackle this today. You ready for this? It ticks me off that food is a threat to our identity. Let me flesh that out a bit. I posted on Instagram last year that it aggravates me that the enemy can take me out with a cookie or a donut. But friend, food should not be a threat to our identity. 
a box of Girl Scout cookies should not be able to jeopardize who we are or who we believe we are. Now, obviously, it doesn't really. Food really can't jeopardize who we are in Christ and our identity in Him. And yet we let it. Food and our body image issues are intricately linked. Even when I've coached clients who are more concerned over specific body parts than kind of overall weight issues, it's always a struggle with food and weight that usually comes out later as some other part of their story. Maybe they struggled in childhood or it's something that kind of lies dormant because when we're doing our coaching time, they don't believe they're worrying about that anymore. Oh, friends, food should not threaten who we are in Christ. That is a distorted view of food and what it does for our bodies. God created food. He created it for our nourishment, for our enjoyment. Food is good. Food does not threaten who we are. That's not its role. And so it makes me sad because I feel like underneath all of these eating disorder, disordered eating traits that we have, underneath all of these issues, we have this mental illness that really is easy eating disorders, is this false belief that food is going to keep me from changing my body or the lack of food will allow me to change my body that will give me value or will make me feel like I'm important. And friends, that's sad. Food should not have that power over us. So let's dig in. What are some of the things to look for What are these signs and symptoms of eating disorders? I think most of us will be surprised by this list. Here we go. So let's just start at the beginning, okay? Um, I am reading you some of the highlights from the National Eating Disorders page. It's nationaleatingdisorders.org. And we're just going to rattle through some of the common signs and symptoms of an eating disorder, okay? And I just, I want you to listen for yourself, but I also want you to listen for your friends, right? And, and I'm not saying that you're going to go to your friends and be like, hey, I was listening to this podcast and I think you might have an eating disorder. That's probably not a conversation that's going to go well, okay? But, hey, I was listening to this podcast. You should really check it out. It's about like body image stuff. I don't know if you have any of that stuff or not, but I struggle. Yeah, she's had a bunch of interesting episodes recently about food. And I know I've had a hard time with food. Maybe you should check it out too. Is that something you've ever struggled with? You can do those kind of things and lead her to me and I'll help her see. Okay. Um, or, or, you know, if it is a close relationship, you can say, I've heard this list of eating disorder symptoms and I'm I'm a little worried about you. Do you have, is this something you think you're struggling with? Um, and handle it with grace and truth and love. But friends, our friends need help. They really do. They really do. So here's some common symptoms of an eating disorder. And this is the emotional and behavioral side. So in general, now catch this. This is, this is scary stuff. In general, behaviors and attitudes that indicate that weight loss, dieting, and control of food are becoming primary concerns. Uh, is your hand raised? 
<laughs> weight loss, dieting, and control of food becoming primary concerns. Hello. We believe it's all about the food. If I could control the food more, then my body would look different. And then I wouldn't have these body image issues. And, and so the body image food thing just kind of, I don't know, it circles back. I was picturing like a chart where the one arrow from body image goes to food and then from food goes to body image. It just makes this big circle that we get trapped in, right? Which came first, the body image issues, the food issues? I don't know but they really go together. And when they become a primary concern, that is a common symptom of an eating disorder. Here's another one. Preoccupation with weight, food, calories, carbohydrates, fat grams, macros, and dieting. Refusal to eat certain foods. We're going to talk about that more in just a minute. Progressing to restrictions against whole categories of foods. For example, no carbohydrates. Hello, keto friends. What do you mean my diet could be leading me to an eating disorder? Yeah, that's kind of what the evidence shows. How about this one? I know this relates to some of you. Appears uncomfortable eating around others. Maybe you're the person who doesn't want to go out to eat with friends because you're they're eating pizza and you don't eat pizza or you're not sure what'll be served if you get invited over to someone's home for dinner, so you just rather not go because it's too scary to think you might have to eat something that you don't want to eat. Friends, that's all ED stuff. That's all disordered eating stuff. Um, how about food rituals, like excessive chewing or not allowing foods to touch or only eating one food group like condiments? Yikes. Have you done it? I have. Skipping meals, taking small portions of food at regular meal times. Here's one. Any new practices with food or fad diets, including cutting out entire food groups. So you're going vegan, you're going vegetarian, you're going no dairy, you're going no sugar, you're going no carbs. I mean, the scary thing with all of this, friends, is that a lot of the ways we are told we can heal our bodies is by doing these very things. And let me be clear. For some of you, your health issues may require you to do some of these things. But as I continue to look at the data, I feel kind of caught between two camps and I'm not quite sure how to make them work together. So camp one is the truth that some people know that some foods do better in their bodies than other foods do. I mean, I know I personally feel better when I eat certain foods and when I eat certain foods, I don't necessarily feel as well. I know that everyone's body chemistry and experiences are different and that there's definite wisdom in eating foods that make you feel good. But the second camp is that restriction and elimination diets are connected to and can lead to eating disorders. And, and that's what this point in this long list is proving. And I know I've coached women who started elimination diets for noble causes like breastfeeding, only to find that they couldn't stop. To some extent, this was part of my story too. By the time my third baby was born, I wasn't eating gluten, dairy, chocolate, citrus, eggs, garlic, broccoli, spinach, and a few other things, like to the point where applesauce was the only thing I was allowed to eat. And I, because I felt like everything I ate just made him react. And I don't share this story very much, but the truth is I had some serious postpartum depression, even maybe a little bit of postpartum psychosis issues after I had him. And I think part of the reason for that was I was malnourished. <laughs> so I do a Google search for everything and I Google searched postpartum depression and I read something about eating more bananas, 
which is another part of my food problem. I'll pretty much do anything anyone on the internet tells me to do with food. But honestly, the bananas helped. And I did go see a counselor and I talked to my doctor and they both recommended more food and sleep. And they sent me home with a handful of Ambien. But I think trying to figure out what foods your body does and does not tolerate well and what foods make you feel good is an important process, but yet also a process that can quickly lead you to over-restrict and eating disorder behavior. So I'm doing an episode on the fear of bread that will release in a week or so, and this is kind of a perfect example. Of course, if you have celiac disease, you should not eat bread. But many of us have chosen to cut bread out of our lives for non-celiac reasons, and maybe that you feel like bread is fattening, or maybe you believe that you feel better eating a lower-carb diet. The challenge is, no one I've ever worked with actually takes their food and their food rules as lightly as these statements I just made. Yes, they would tell me there's a reason for not eating bread because they just feel better when they avoid carbohydrates. Like, they would say it that lightly. But the truth is, if I tried to force feed any of them bread, they would probably panic. And this is disordered eating behavior, this fear. So whether or not bread is good for you or feels good in your body, there's a separate issue with being afraid of the bread. So watch for this episode. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. It's coming out in March. But no, there's a big difference between truly feeling free to eat a piece of bread whenever you want and determining not to because it may make you feel foggy and being afraid of bread or carbohydrates as a food group. And I know most of us are not often honest enough with ourselves when we restrict for health reasons. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist, like I said, but what I see are women doing exactly what I did, trying to fool themselves into thinking that they have control over food and some sort of discipline to only eat what's healthy for them. But the truth is the food has control over them and the restrictive tendencies are classic eating disorder symptoms. Hey friends, my next round of group coaching is going to begin on April the 4th. It's a six week commitment. You'll have one personal one-on-one time with me, and then you'll have four sessions with a group, a small group, five women at the very most. I normally like to keep them at four. And then you'll do that for four weeks in a row, and then we'll have one exit session. And friends, As I look through what's happened in my coaching over the last couple of years, my clients who have been a part of group coaching are still having the best results because there is something about going through coaching with other people. Now, don't get me wrong. I love one-on-one coaching. There is tremendous value to be able to dig into your specific issues in every session, I think that's amazing, and my one-on-one clients are having good results as well, but there is something special about being connected and going on a journey with a group of women in 
community. And what's been really fun to see is how these communities that I've developed through group coaching sometimes continue after the coaching is over and these women are still connecting and still texting and and still reaching out when they have a bad day and encouraging each other. So if you're interested in group coaching, go to comparedto.me slash coaching today. You can find out more. As I said, the group will start in April, but I expect this to be filled up by mid-March. So go ahead and grab your spot today. I have a limited number of spots available. If you have any questions, you can grab one of those 10-minute coaching calls with me or just send me an email, heather at compared to who.me. I hope to see you in my next coaching group. Let's look at more of this list. Sleep problems fine hair on the body, cavities, muscle weakness, yellow skin, cold hands, poor wound healing, impaired immune function. Friends, this list is long, 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 long. And it makes me sad because I think a lot of us have these issues. I talked in my latest coaching session with my intuitive eating coaches, Erin Todd and Charlie um, Castle. I talked with them about my issue with fatigue and how I tried to solve my issue with fatigue by finding the right formula of foods or fasting the right amount of time before I ate um, or eating the right balance of macros, those kind of things. And I think at the end of the day, I just wasn't eating enough that I've been tired most of my life because I didn't get enough food. I wasn't eating enough calories in my head. I had this calorie number and I I was trying not to go over it and it made me tired because my body didn't have enough energy. And I think the same goes for feeling cold. I feel like I've been cold most of my life too. In fact, I just got an ad for a sweatshirt and said something like, I'm always cold. And as I read that sweatshirt, I thought, how sad, because a lot of women feel that and they don't even know that it could be related to unhealthy habits around their food. Yes, they're cold all the time because they haven't eaten enough or because they are binging and purging or some other variation of eating disorder. So these are just some of the most common physical and emotional symptoms of eating disorders. You should also know that there are 30 million Americans 9% of the population that's going to develop an eating disorder in their lifetime. So what that means is one out of every 10 people you know, and maybe it's you, will have an eating disorder, has had an eating disorder. And then the other interesting thing here is that less than 6% of the people with eating disorders are medically diagnosed as underweight. So when you think about anorexia, for example, a lot of times we think about the anorexic looking a specific way, being very thin, very gaunt in the face. And that's not necessarily true. There are anorexic people in much larger bodies. You cannot see an eating disorder on everyone. In fact, of the 6%, you cannot see an eating disorder on most people, I would say. Another interesting thing I thought that I should point out is that there is somewhere between, this is a pretty big range, 28 to 74% of the risk for an eating disorder is genetic. Friends, so if mom had one, there's a good chance you might have one too. And that's why we have to be so careful with how we treat our daughters in this area, how we talk to our daughters about things, um, and how we demonstrate and model for our daughters a healthy relationship with food. 
So there are so much information online about eating disorders, about what they are. There are eating disorders related to something your children might struggle with in terms of food texture or only eating particular foods, right? There's orthorexia, which we mentioned just briefly, which is only eating clean foods. There's exercise bulimia, which is feeling the need to burn off the same number of calories that you eat or close to number of calories that you eat so that you're not actually processing any of those calories. Friends, there are all different sorts of eating disorders out there now. And I would encourage you to do some research. So I'm reading a book right now I've mentioned in a couple episodes called Health at Every Size. Again, it's not a Christian book, but it will blow your mind with the propaganda that has been out there concerning obesity and diets and weight loss and even what the medical community has been informed with. Oh, y'all, it's it's painful to read in some ways because so many of these things that we've been told are true and healthier for us may not actually be. And, you know, one of the statistics, I think it's early in that book or might be in the intuitive eating book, but there's an illustration used about if something failed 95% of the time, like if a drug, like an asthma medication, for example, failed 95% of the time, would it still be used on the market? Would a doctor be able to say, you should really take this medication for your asthma? No, of course they wouldn't say that, right? If it has a 95% failure rate, they're never going to recommend it. And yet, diets have a 95% failure rate. And then what do doctors do when you go to their office and you present with symptoms like high blood pressure or heart disease or all these other things that they connect to being overweight? The doctor says you need to go on a diet. But diets have a 95% failure rate. What? (laughs) Like, it doesn't make any sense at all. So I've been doing lots of research recently, and it is blowing my mind. And if you're a research nerd like I am, you may want to check out some of these things, the intuitive eating book, the, the health at every size book. There's lots of great data out there. But my fear, friends, is that we are so trapped in these conventional ways of thinking, these ways we've been trained to think, these things we've been told about health and weight and all of these things that we've, we've been so indoctrinated, even in the church, that we are leading our girls, we are leading the next generation into more eating disorders. And that is a painful thought. So why does eating disorder week matter? Why does knowing about what eating disorders look like, what the signs and symptoms of eating disorders are, what eating disorder categories there are, why does this matter? Because we have to know what we're doing when we continue to perpetuate our food issues, our diet junk. Friends, we've got to watch it. The Christian sugar fasts, the get your temple back healthy eating diet plans. Oh, friends, we have to be careful not to lead others into eating disorders So let me give you another action step today. As you were listening to this episode, if there were things that stuck out to you, for example, oh, I'm always cold. Yeah, you caught me, Heather. I've been trying to be low carb for the last couple of years. 
or I would never eat bread. I would never eat sugar. Like if any of these specific things stick out to you, would you just write them down? Writing things down is hard because it kind of brings them to light and it makes us accountable to recognize those things. It's not just a thought that I can pretend I didn't have. (laughs) It adds this extra layer of accountability. So that's all I'm asking of you today. Just write it down and then pray about it. Okay. Pray and ask God to help you with these things. Ask God to show you if you need more help. And there's no shame if you do. No shame at all. I needed so much help in this arena. And if you need help too, I pray that you will have the courage to get the help, to get free. You do not have to be in bondage to food or food rules. There is a much better way to live. Well, that's all for today's show. I thank you for listening. And I really hope something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. Don't forget, we have a Patreon community that is now open and our first community meeting is coming up in March. So I hope you'll jump on that quickly. Patreon.com slash compare to who or go to the compare to who.me slash podcast page. And you can find out more about how to support the show. And hey, group coaching, it's open now for enrollment starting the beginning of April. So grab your spot. And hey, why not find some freedom from body image issues before summer starts, right? Why wait? So I hope you'll be part of that group coaching experience. That's all for today. Bye-bye. Hey there, before you go, if something from today's show blessed you, may I ask a huge favor? Leave a review on your favorite platform. Seeing your five-star reviews is a huge encouragement to me. Not sure how to do it? You can go to comparetowho.me slash podcast, scroll to the bottom, and you'll find all the information. And while you're at comparetowho.me, check out some of the more than 500 articles on there about body image, comparison, all the things you're thinking about. Plus, you can take the free body image quiz. You can find out more about my books, or you can grab a time for a free 10-minute call to see if coaching is right for you. I'm so honored to be a part of your journey out of body image and comparison frustration, and I can't wait to hear how God is working to set you free. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for working everything out for my good. Help me trust in your perfect plan 
Amen. Father, thank you for loving and caring for me. With Christian prayer meditation, you can pray along to prayers based on specific topics. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Christian prayer meditation. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.